One thing that we've been we've been talking about and, and focusing on is uh, fellowship. All right. So yesterday, uh, last Sunday, we talked about fellowship, and I was going to do like a mini series. And today, we're going to get into complete unity um, through fellowship. There will be complete unity, and I want to talk about the power in complete unity and what happens when we are united and iron sharpens the iron. Amen? Um, the Greek words translated fellowship in the New Testament mean essentially a partnership to the mutual benefit of those involved. Christian fellowship, there is a mutual, is mutually beneficial relationship between Christians, all right? When the Bible talks about fellowship, I want you to understand, and we must understand, that there is a there is a benefit for us coming together, all right? Um, and it, it, it can't have the identical relationship with those outside of the faith. Um, we must understand that that the relationship as believers is not going to be the same relationship as those identical outside of the faith, all right? Because we're not, we're not going to be doing the same things that the world is doing, amen? We're not going to be uh, participating in, in a few in, in things that the world is doing, the things that are harmful to the body, the things that are harmful to one another, the things that, uh, um, that may hurt, that may cause pain, that may cause issues. We're not going to partake in, some, in those things, okay? And so when we, because we're not partaking in some of those things and all of those things, right? It better not be some and not kick. kick. <laughs> Amen? Amen. It's the, the relationship is not identical to those outside of the faith. Now, this does not mean we should let um, all of our snot show and our nose head high on people who don't believe. Right. All right? That don't mean we walk around with our nose high, our snot showing. All right? Make sure we don't do that. All right? With our nose up. Because that's not what we are about. In 2 Timothy, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. It tells us, it says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to who? Wow. To all. Able to teach. Patient. Everyone will say patient. patient. Don't you know you got to be patient with folks? Yeah. Huh? They're not going to. Do everything you do and say everything you say and act the way you want them to act. Am I right? So you have to be patient. And being patient, you're able to teach in what? Humility. Correcting those who are in opposition. You, it is, it is hard to correct when you're in a judgmental mode. People don't hear you. So you have to be patient. You have to be gentle in the way you and uh, uh, the way you teach and the way you uh, communicate with others uh, and be patient with one another. Um, because it says, if God perhaps perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth. It's not about you doing the work. You don't have to get it right, throw people down, and kick them, get saved, huh? God says, be gentle, because who's doing the work? Not you. Jesus is doing the work. God says, if God perhaps will grant them what? So that they may know the truth. You just keep being gentle. 
You just keep being patient. You just keep being humble. You just stay in humility. That's what we got to do. Oh, man, I know people can mm, hit that nerve. Huh? But we have to stay patient because God, that is an opportunity for God to grant them repentance. Isn't that the goal? Sometimes we lose sight of the goal because of this flesh. But we're here so people can see who Jesus Christ is. Listen, we can still have associates who are unbelievers because we have things in common. We work together. Huh? We like sports together. There are some hobbies we do together. Amen? But it's when you allow them to be your company can have issues with unity. In 1 Corinthians, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 33, it tells us that bad company corrupt, corrupts good character. When company comes over your house, all right, and you give them what you do, you, you allow, first you allow them to come in, right? That means there's something you trust about them or there, there, there's some kind of relationship you have to allow them to come and enter into your home. All right. And when you enter it and you allow them to come into your home, you may give them some fruit, some food. Some people you might say, just go in the refrigerator and have what you want. Give them the remote to the TV. Huh? Let them play a little Xbox if you got one. PlayStation, whatever it is. You let them come in. You let them kick up their feet. You let them relax. You let them in your home. When you have company, you invite them in. The Bible is telling us today, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, be aware of a bad company because it will corrupt your good character. Alright? And so you have and what the scripture is saying is that uh, when you allow them to take place in your home, they can rob you. That's right. Amen. They, they, have, they, could, they could have the ability to rob you because you have let your guard down. They can catch you off guard. Why? Because you let them in. You gave them access. Huh? And sometimes what happens is, is that we have associates that are unbelievers, but sometimes we allow them to be our company. Don't get comfortable with unbelievers that surround you, allowing them to be your company. Sometimes you don't realize you have invited them in to have a say in your life, then all of a sudden, you have given them access to your heart. You have given them access to your mind. You have given them access and, 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 and have allowed them to be a, a company and they have caught you off guard and, and you have allowed them to be a part of your life and now your good character has been corrupted. This is what's happening to some of our young people is that we, we teach them good character. We teach them what is good, what is right, what is wholesome. But then all of a sudden they go off to school, they go somewhere, and then they allow themselves to partake in a company and allow them to come in and disrupt their good character. At first they go to the school, they're like, oh, they go to school with a mindset to be good. Then all of a sudden they get into the locker talk. 
They get by the lockers and start gossiping and they start enjoying the talk of, of putting down one another. They start enjoying the talk of hurting one another. They start enjoying and laugh at, at, at dysfunctional jokes that jokes that are, are degrading to women, jokes that are degrading to a, to a young man, to a young boy. They start enjoying that because they have made a company with them. They not, they're not associates anymore, but they have invited them into their home. They have invited them into their heart and in their mind and now our young people are doing things that because their good character has been corrupted. Yeah? You could be on the job. You have to be careful of the conversations you get into on your job. Because your good character can be corrupted. Because if you hang around too long, too much, and, and allow that, allow them to enter to your heart, you're gonna start changing over. A lot of people like to say that Jesus, Jesus hung around with sinners. He didn't hang around with them, he went around them, he did, he ate with them, he sat with them, but he didn't hang with them. Because when he started talking about what was right and what was good and what was wholesome, they like, <laughs> see you, dude. I ain't got time for that, man. I got a man. I got some stuff I'm going on. I got to do. And so, when we, when we, when we, we can't find our, we we have to be careful not to enjoy some of the conversations that are going on in our job. That we're like, all right, brother, I'll see you later. That's what I do. I'll be at my job. They start talking a little dirty. Start talking nasty. I ain't about that. See y'all. <laughs> see y'all later. And guess what? Now the conversation changed when I come around. And I don't have to say, y'all shouldn't be talking about it. Y'all, I ain't gotta do all that. Yes, sir. I just gotta let my light shine and, 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 and pull away when things, when things get grungy and rungy. Because I'm not about that life. I'm not about that. And so then I find myself pulling away. And when they see you pulling away, they're like, oh, you know, you know, you ain't about that. Thank you for recognizing. Huh? The culture on my job has changed because I, I didn't, when they're out there cursing and, and, and when they see me coming through the thing and they say a curse word, they look over and they see me and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't tell them to do that. I didn't have to tell them don't curse around me. But I didn't allow them to affect my good character. I didn't allow them to be my company. Now what if I just stood around and hang around them? Yeah, 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 him too. Be that, that, this, huh? Then guess what? I have allowed them to corrupt my... I have allowed them to corrupt my good character. Young people, be careful. Young and old, be careful. Be careful that we don't allow them to come in and disrupt the good character that God has placed in our life. Proverbs says the righteous should, let's go to the next one. Proverbs says the righteous should choose his friends carefully. Mm, mm, mm. I'm talking about complete unity. We have to choose our friends carefully. For the way of the wicked leads them astray. 12 and 26. We should stay away from foolish people because if you hang with foolish people, you're going to become a foolish person. Amen. You know what I'm saying? You are what you eat. You are what you hang around. Huh? 
When, when, a, when a person gets out of jail and, and, and because of some people he hung with, some things that he done in the past, if he gets out of jail and goes right back to the house where he got arrested at and start hanging with the same people he used to hang with, guess what's going to happen? He is going to be corrupted once again and go right back. Man, matter of fact, the police is watching him already. They're waiting for him to go back. They're already waiting for him to go back into the corrupted bad company. The Bible also says for the people who lose their temper easily, if you hang around and, and, and you constantly talk with people who are always losing their temper, and you just sit there enjoying them losing their temper, and they're getting upset and they're getting angry, and you getting angry too, then you find yourself, why am I getting mad? They didn't even do nothing to me. You get mad, you get upset, because they got you upset because you're hanging around people who have uh, uh, do get angry easily and, and have a high temper. They lose their temper quickly. And, and then it says from the rebellious, if you hang around those who are rebellious from their parents, Jesus, guess what? You're going to be rebellious. Oh, man, I remember, and I'm not trying to bust my kids out, but there was a but. <laughs> Woo, my kids be scared when I grab the mic. I'm like, oh, daddy, daddy, please. When my daughter was going to St. Cat's, and she began to hear how the kids used to talk to their parents, oh, my goodness. No, mama, I don't want to do this. I don't care. Huh? As if it was normal to talk back to your parent. And my daughter slipped up a little bit. Why? Because she began to hang around the company and she got into her mind, like this is, uh, this is what we do. This is, it corrupted the good character. And so when she came back home, some of that character, what they were doing, began to fall into the house. And then, then as soon as she slipped up, we had to get her back in place. <laughs> Don't allow the rebellious spirit to fall on you, sis. Don't allow the rebellious spirit to fall on your children. Let them know, listen, that's not who you are. Amen. Amen. That's not, let them know that's, that's not who you are. Because it's disrupting the unity when you need to unite with those who are in fellowship, in the mindset, and focus on Jesus Christ. Satan wants us off focus so we don't reach our true home. Do you not know this place is not our home? Do you not know that there's another place outside of this? Do you not know that we're just here temporarily? Man, can, can we just start thinking about that for a moment? Like, this is not my home. I'm trying to get to my true place. I'm trying to get to my true home. And guess what? I don't want to go. I want to take everybody who I came with me because there is a better place than this. There's a better place than this. With no more trouble, with no more trials, with no more disease. Oh, God, do you want to go? I want to go to my true home with my new body, with my new my, my relationship with, with the streets of gold, with mansions. I want to get to my new home. I'm trying to get there. 
working to get that to my true home. And Satan is trying to give us off focus so we don't make it to the next life. So we don't make it, make it to the next life. He wants us dead now and dead in this life when we lose our last breath. That we don't finish the race. That we don't become the light God has called us to be. The world can't help me get to my true home. The world cannot help me get to the place where I need to get. The world cannot do it. The world cannot get me there. No matter how many self-help books there are. No matter how much psychiatrists cause and psychologists cause. No matter how much they try and they push. They will never, ever be able to get me to my true home. They can't do it. There's only one person that can. And that's Jesus Christ. There's only one, there, there's only one king that can, and that's Jesus Christ. Listen, only Christian fellowship gives us a, a mutually beneficial relationship and where we realize iron sharpens iron. And this is where it comes through. This is what keeps us focused on our true home. This is what keeps us focused on finishing the race. When iron sharpens iron, when we come together in fellowship, this is the mutual benefit that we have when we come together and worship together and pray together and fellowship and read the Bible together and read the word of God together. It happens because we're ironing sharpened iron. Now it is a help to finish the race. It is a help to get me to my true home. Do you not know you are helping me right now? Amen. Do you not know that when our presence is power, that we help one another. I am encouraged when I see you because I know that God is working in your life. I know that God is doing something in your life. I know that there is a passion within you to do something great for God. I know there's a passion in you for the change to happen in our community. I know that. And so with our being bonded together in unity, we are sharpening one another so we can be ready to take on whatever the enemy is trying to do in this community. Iron sharpen iron. Huh? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Do you hear what that says? And when it's talking one man, it's, it's including the, the woman as well. When it's focused on a man, it's talking about mankind. All right? Because a woman came from man. And so it's talking about the, the sisters and the brothers as, as we come, to one, come with one another. The benefit is, is that when, when there is a mutual benefit in the rubbing of two iron blades, when two iron blades come together and they're rubbing together, the edges become sharper, all right? Making the knives more efficient, more effective in cutting and slicing. All right. So like you cannot really cook good and well with a dull knife. You trying to cut an onion, you trying to cut that thing fast. If that knife was dull, you'd be crying, trying to cut, and your eyes be watering. You're like, get me a knife that will cut this onion right. Huh? I'm not messing with this. I need something sharpened. I need something that can cut. I need something that can do what it needs to do. Now, I want to briefly talk about the Japanese fish called Fu. I've been trying to pronounce this word for about a couple hours. Fuga. You see that? That's an ugly fish, ain't it? Now, imagine in your Holy Ghost. I'm the, this is the Vosware, in the Holy Ghost imagination. 
I like to do this. I don't know why I do this. Like, we're going into some kind of realm. Holy Ghost imagination. All right? Imagine, if you will, if the few guy fish was all we had to eat in the world. If not separated correctly and knives are not sharpened by the... You know they sharpen the knives by a sword, uh, a swordsmith to make sure it's sharp enough. And, and the reason why is that uh, it, 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 it not only does it have to be sharpened by a swordsman, but it also has to be cut by a professional or you will die. Amen. There are certain things in that fugue fish that needs to be cut and put to the side. It needs to be cut and, 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 and thrown in the garbage. Why? Because it's poisonous. I'm about to get to this, man. It's poisonous, and if you eat it, you will die. And so the, it has to be a professional. The sword, it has to be sharp, real sharp, before they begin to cut, because they have to cut that poison out of that fish so you can eat and be healthy and well. If that was all that we had to eat, if that's all we had to eat to get nourishment, to make it in life, to get strength, to be strong, to overcome, Listen, we will make sure that we have a professional and we will make sure that we're sharpening what needs to be sharpening so we can take off what needs to be taken off because I ain't trying to die up in here. Amen? Amen. So listen, what I want us to understand is that the, the truth is, is that Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. Jesus is the only way we are going to be able to survive and get through Jesus is the only way we're going to be able to make it to our true home. We're going to be able to live and survive and overcome and be strengthened and be encouraged. So there's some things that need to be cut out of our life. And if Jesus is the only way, Jesus is the only way, he's coming and he's coming. And as we're sharpening one another, we are cutting away some things that need to be cut out of our life so we can true home so we can get there. Jesus, I hope y'all is getting this. We need to cut it out. There are things that need to be cut from us or it will eventually destroy us. If we allow the poison and the sin and the uh, uh, foolishness and the addictions and, and uh, uh, the attitudes and, and the frowned up face and, and no loving self and if we allow that stuff to stay in our life, it's going to destroy us. It's going to kill us. We are not going to be able to make it to where we need to be. We need Jesus. Everyone say, we need Jesus. Listen, you might say, what is my blade, though? You might say, what, what do I have to sharpen another brother? I want to tell you the truth in Hebrews chapter 4 and 12. It tells us, for the word of God, let's go to that next slide, is a living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. He's talking about the word of God, and it is discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. When we have the word of God in our life, and we are reading the word of God, that is your blade. That is your sword. And when we come together and start communicating about the word of God, we start talking about what God has blessed me, of how God, the word of God, has shown me. Listen, I read this and it blessed my life. I read this and it kept me from harm. I read this and I stayed away from that. When we start communicating on how the word, do you 
not know that God loves you? Do you not know that God cares for you? Do you know that he will never leave you nor forsake you? We are sharpening one another. We are sharpening one another. Do you not know that God will always take care of his people? That God will never leave you by yourself? We are sharpening one another. We are sharpening one another. When we start sharpening one another and, 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 and with our thoughts and the, the intent, there are some things that, that need, in need of discernment will start, we'll start beginning to understand. So those negative thoughts and those bad depression thoughts and those thoughts of worry and fear, when we start fellowshipping with one another and sharpening one another, it will begin to cut that depression out. It will begin to cut the worry out. It will begin to cut the stress out because we are sharpening one another, getting ready to cut out what needs to be cut out of our life. Your testimony of what God is doing. Oh, Jesus. Iron and sharpen iron. When you start talking about what God has done for your life, talking about the change that he's made in life. I used to be on drugs. I used to be an alcoholic. I used to run women. I used to do all this stuff. But when God came into my life, you are sharpening another brother. You are sharpening another sister. When you share your testimony of how God's word blessed your life and changed your life. When, you, when your testimony, your pursuit for the word makes me stronger. As I begin to see examples of light in the fellowship, it it will help me discern my thoughts when I begin to see examples when I begin to see you growing and, and, and moving and overcoming it's going to do something to my life it's going to do something to my to, for my change it's going to help me overcome because I see you overcoming it's going to sharpen me to yeah and my brother Jesus is working in his life I know he can work in my life if Jesus broke his addiction I know he can break my addiction if Jesus brought him out of the mud out of the clay when he had nothing I know he can do the same for me I know he can Ironing, sharpening, iron. The thoughts of the tense of the heart. When we sharpen each other, we're saying, snap out of it. God loves you. Snap out of it. Stay encouraged. You will overcome. Do you not know that Jonathan in the Bible sought after David when Saul was after him? He sought after David. Why? Because of the unity they had. And he went after David, and he went after David in 1 Samuel 23 and 16, and he said, he said, I went out, he went after David to give him strength from God, to find him strength, to encourage him. He helped him find his strength in God. Now, David was the one who defeated Goliath. He was the one to be the next king, and even he got weak at times. Even he got discouraged at times, and Jonathan knew it. He felt it. There was a bond that he had. What I'm telling you today is that our bond will be so tight. Our bond for one another will be so tight. When I see you, I'm going to speak a word into you because I see that the enemy is trying to trap you. I see that the enemy is trying to discourage you. We're going to be so close and so united that I can feel that you need some encouragement, that you need some strength from God. And I'm going to say it and speak a life into you and speak encouragement. You can make it. You can overcome. You can win. You have victory. That's the power of being completely united when we encourage one another. You might say, I'm not a professional. So we have the sword, but you might say, I'm not a professional. In John 17, 22 and 23, Jesus prayed for this 2,000 years ago for complete unity. He said, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them. 
Oh, Jesus, he's talking about us. He says that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one. And the world may know, this is how the world going to know, that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. The world is going to know when we're sharpening each other. And guess where the professional is? The professional lives in you. The professional, God says, I am them and you. And God says, I am in you. I am in you. The professional is in you. Don't ever think you're not adequate enough or think you're, uh, think that you got to be in the Word. Three, three, five, six, ten years to share a testimony, to share what God has done for you, to share a word of encouragement. God can use you right now. God can use you right where you are. As soon as you accept Christ in your life, God will begin to work and your testimony will go forth. The professional lives in you. Don't ever think that you mm, don't ever think you're not good enough. That's the, that's, the, that's the enemy's trick to think you're not good enough to share the good news, to share what God is doing in your life because God, Jesus does the work he will make you perfect. And I'm ending with this in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Paul saw the effects of complete unity. And he says, if we don't do this, we have fallen off to fulfill the, the laws of Christ. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, brethren, I can imagine Paul like, this. y'all got to get this. If a man is overtaken of any trespasses, if, if something is overtaking him, this is people that's in the body. This is people that, that has the Holy Ghost, that has the Holy Spirit, that all of a sudden trespasses overtaking them. Mm. He says, if, if a man is overtaken of any trespasses, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Oh my gosh. Lord Jesus, if I see my brother and I see him, listen, Paul is saying, you need to take on their burden because God has made you spiritually strong enough. He has made you strong enough to restore your brother and your sister so they can make it and get past the finish line, to get past this race. God has given you strength and the ability to speak a life into someone who has lost hope who has lost their life, who has lost the life, who has been slipping and dipping, and they want to find their way out. They want to do better. God is going to use you with the spirit of gentleness to bring them back to where they need to be. Oh, God. Then he says, consider yourself. Did he say that? Did he say, consider yourself? Least you also be tempted. Oh, my gosh. Stop thinking you better. Stop thinking you, stop following up your nose and thinking you better because what happens is because you feel like, oh, they should, they should know this already. They should know. They should be, they, the, the Holy Spirit is moving in them. They should, they should know this. They should, they should be doing good. They should, oh my gosh, what's going on with them? What's going on? God says, consider yourself. Or else you're going to be tempted. And you fall short. He says, bear one another's what? Oh my gosh. Am I reading that right? Bear one another's burdens and so to do what? Fulfill. Oh my gosh. To fulfill what? We cannot fulfill the law of Christ 
unless we're bearing one another's burdens. That's true. Jesus. What the fool we say is all about me. It's all about my salvation. It's all about what I got to do. It's all about God's blessing me. But God says, if you're not bearing one another's burdens, you can't even feel the law of Christ. If your brother's hurting, if your brother's in need, pick them up. Grab their hand. Hold them. Pray with them. Yeah. Encourage them. Let them know that God is not left them. And he cares. Let us save.